Strange Tales. RelicRadio.com presents tales of the strange and bizarre, the weird and the wicked. Stories not necessarily of the supernatural, but of the unnatural. Join us now for Strange Tales, featuring radio drama at its most mysterious and unusual. Thanks for joining me this Sunday. We're going to hear from Favorite Story this week, an NBC series of about 150 episodes that debuted in June of 1946. Our story today is The Man Who Made Gold. This one aired November 18th, 1947. Inviting you to radio's most dramatic half-hour, Favorite Story. Welcome to Favorite Story, especially produced and transcribed in Hollywood for the Dayton Power and Light Company. On this half hour each Tuesday, we bring you treasures from the great storehouse of the world's best fiction and historical stories. And each story is chosen for you by a person whose achievements have won him fame in his chosen field. Tonight, for example, we asked opera star Lawrence Melchior to name his favorite story. And his selection is a truly unusual one. The Man Who Made Gold by Fitzjames O'Brien. And so, to tell you about the weird adventures of this alchemist, here is your host, Mr. Ronald Coleman. It is not altogether to the credit of mankind that we have been trying to make gold almost as long as we've been able to walk on two feet. Centuries before the birth of Christ, the Egyptians and the Arabs were practicing the so-called science of alchemy, muttering magical syllables over pots containing sulfur, charcoal, and the tongues of salamanders. Through the Middle Ages... In dark cellars, black-robed alchemists worked over their fires, trying to fuse copper and mercury, zinc and lead, into silver and gold. Mystical, mysterious names of alchemists come down to us. Paracelsus, Albertus Magnus, Roger Bacon, Vincent of Beauvais. To this list of sorcerers, these dealers in magic and spells, we now add the name of William Blakelock the central figure of this week's favorite story. Those of you who were so intrigued by the diamond lens have asked for another story by Fitzjames O'Brien. And the celebrated opera star, Mr. Loritz Melchior, happily chose O'Brien's The Man Who Made Gold as his favorite. If you've seen any of the group theater productions on Broadway or the work of the Actors Lab in Hollywood, 
You know Maurice Karnofsky is a great actor of the American theater. He plays the alchemist, and Frank Albertson is the young doctor in our story, The Man Who Made Gold. undecided December. Yes? Who's there? Quickly, Doctor. Let me in. Oh, doctor, you must come with me at once. What, dear young lady, you're soaked to the skin. Oh. Come in, come in. Now, oh, what's the trouble? My father has met with a severe accident. He needs a doctor right away. Please hurry. Well, how was your father hurt? An explosion. An explosion? Oh, hurry. He's hurt very badly. Is he working in some factory? No, sir. No, sir. He, he's a chemist. A chemist? Why, he's a brother professional. Uh, just a moment. I'll slip on my coat and go with you. Uh, do you live far from here? On 7th Avenue, just a few blocks from the end of the street. Did you leave anybody with your father? No, sir. He won't allow anybody but me to enter his laboratory. But don't ask me questions. Please hurry. He may be dead by this time. They started through the rain-drenched streets. The girl, half woman, half child, had an almost angelic face. And yet her clothes were in tatters, her shoes full of holes. They climbed the stairs of a shabby tenement house. On the top floor, they stepped into a room, half laboratory... Half living quarters. The crucibles and retorts were broken. The floor was littered with glass. There is nothing more melancholy than to behold science or art in distress. It was like seeing a poor musical genius with a battered violin. In one corner, stretched motionless on a wretched bed, they saw a silent figure. Oh. Who are you? Who brought you here? How dare you come to my laboratory to spy on me? You're quite badly hurt, my friend. I'm a doctor. Mm. Oh. A physician. A surgeon also. Why, you're badly burned, my friend. You, uh, you're bound by oath not to reveal the secrets of your patients? Yes, of course. Oh. I'm afraid that I'm hurt. Here, now. These are quite serious burns. You must not leave your bed, your arms, your chest, and most of your face are badly scorched. You, you will not reveal anything you see here? Now, let me put some ointment on your burns. Oh! Oh, I'm sorry. Promise me! Oh, no, of course, of course. Now, relax. I'll trust you. I'll pay you well. Handsomely, richly, riches beyond your knowledge. You must keep quiet. I'll leave a sedative with your daughter, and I'll see you again in the morning. Thank you. Thank you, Doctor. My daughter. You've seen her? When? Where? A thousand curses on my... Oh, please, Father, don't curse me again. Please. Please, you're ill. I'll do anything you say, but rest, as the doctor says. You ungrateful, ungrateful. You see there the most vile of children. I am the most unhappy man on earth. Please, sir, you are in dangerous condition. Ah, there she is. There, there, there. I'm, I must tell someone. Doctor, I have your oath. 
An oath is a sacred thing with the doctor. With any kind of scientist, I know this, for I'm a scientist, too. My dear sir, listen you must... Listen to me. Listen to my story. I... I am an alchemist. Alchemist? Yes. Since I was 22 years old, I've pursued this wonderful and subtle secret to unfold the mysterious rose guarded with such terrible thorns to decipher the wondrous table of the emerald, to accomplish the mystic nuptials of the Red King and the White Queen, to marry them soul to soul and body to body forever and ever in the exact proportions of land and water. That was my aim. And I did it. I alone of this generation have accomplished it. You're very sick, my friend. I must insist upon your Two remaining... Years ago. Two years ago, I solved the great problem. I transmuted baser metals into gold. No one but myself, that girl, and God know the privations I'd suffered up to that time. I sacrificed everything, food, clothing, air, exercise, everything but shelter toward the one great end. And I succeeded. Nicholas Flamel did it in 1382. George Ripley did it at Rhodes in 1460. Alexander Seton and Michael Skurovogis did it in the 17th century. But I did it in our time. I made gold here in this room in my crucibles. I manufactured gold. Sir, I cannot be accountable for your well-being if you don't rest. I beg you to lie back. Uh, uh, I can see that you doubt me. You think I'm a crazy old man. Do as the doctor says. Uh, You dare interrupt me? It was this girl. Day after day, I gave this girl what I succeeded in fabricating. Each day, I was able to make only a little ingot, worth perhaps 30 to $45. I told her to save it for me. We lived as poorly as ever, but I thought the child was merely being thrifty. For two years, I did this. And at this time, I calculated I had made 500 of these ingots. At $30 apiece, that would amount to $15,000. Yet... After all that time, when I asked my daughter for an ingot of gold, she burst into tears and said that it had all been stolen from her. No other explanation, mind you, just tears. And this wild story... Father, perhaps the story is true. No, 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 no. She's some sort of female miser, a gambler who robs her old father of the gold he makes. Oh, I can't believe that. She looks so innocent. Uh, she deceives you as she did me. No, let, 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 let me go on. I went back to work at my crucible with redoubled energy. I made an ingot of gold every second day. I determined this time to put them in some secure place myself. But the very first day I set my apparatus in order, the girl, Marion, that's my daughter's name, she came weeping to me, begging me to allow her to take care of the treasure. I refused, but she persisted. She clung to my neck. She threatened to leave me. In short, she used all the tricks known to women. So, finally, I did not have the heart to refuse her. Since that time, she's continued to take the golden ingots. Look, look around you. Look at the way we live. We don't have enough food. Our clothes are rags. The rent of this hole is a mere nothing. What does this girl do with all the gold? Tell me, sir, what is your name? My name? William Blakelock. I come of an old Saxon stock, sir, that bred true men and women former days. How does it ever come to pass that a girl like that one ever sprung from our line? Perhaps you're mistaken about your daughter. Delusions regarding alchemy used to be very common. But, sir, you still doubt, you doubt that I have manufactured gold here in this room. <laughs> I'll give you proof. I'll pay you with one of my ingots. And you shall take care of me until I'm well. Marion, get me an ingot. Father. Get me an ingot, I say. Obey me or I swear I'll place my curse upon you forever. Doctor. Get an ingot. I... I... Very well. What have I done to deserve such a child? Mr. Blakelock, 
Unless you remain in bed, unless you calm down, I cannot be responsible for your well-being. I... I... Well, give it to him. I... Please, I... Uh, you see? You see how reluctantly she parts with it? Take it, sir. It's yours. I believe... Oh, yes. That's one that I made just before the unfortunate explosion. Yeah, it looks like gold. Now, if you doubt its genuineness, there are acids on the table. Test it. All right. seems to be gold of the highest purity. You're surprised, huh? Well, that's natural. But, Mr. Blakelock, I can't take this gold. I, I have no right to it. I can't charge you so large a fee. Take it, take it. There are plenty more. Your fee will amount to that before I'm well. I bid you good night, then, Mr. Blakelock. And I urge you again not to leave your bed. Good night. Good night. Good night, then. Doctor. Doctor, please. Please listen to me. What do you want? Keep your voice down. If you have any compassion in your heart, I beg you, give me back that gold ingot. Oh, it's true, then. You're as mercenary as your father said you were. Lord, I... Please give it to me. My life depends on it. Here, take it. I wouldn't touch gold that comes from the same house where you live. Oh, Doctor, if you knew... Someday... Someday, perhaps, I, I shall tell you the whole story. The most tragic story in the world. seen that night was nothing which belonged to New York City in this modern century. He felt as if he had the dust of the past on his shoes. And the adventure with Blake Lock, the alchemist, had slipped him back through 500 years to the doorstep of the Dark Ages. He stared at his hands. And in the lightning flashes, his palms were like wrinkled sheets of old parchment, inscribed with the secret hieroglyphs of the alchemist's art. Needle. I've done sewing to pay for our food and shelter. 
It was very hard work, but I, I did it. I do it still. But your father, he succeeded in making... He succeeded in nothing. Well, he has made gold. I've seen it. <laughs> I, I've weighed it in my hand. I've, I've tested it with acids. I know it's gold. <laughs> well, you're merely a child. You don't understand what your father's accomplished. The ingot he gave me was purest gold. Yes, it was purest gold. But my father did not make it in his test tube. Hear the rest of my story, Doctor. Go on. I knew my father was dying of disappointment. I had to save him. I put away every penny I could find and hid it in the old sugar bag underneath my pillow. I took extra needlework. I went without eating. But the little bag of money grew so slowly. Oh, so slowly. You'd better go home. It's late at night and I'm not... No, you must hear me out. My father was getting more pale, more despondent every day. I knew I had very little time. So I started to sell what few possessions I had. A few tattered old books, the doll that I used to love so when I was a little girl, and all the little trinkets that you saved from childhood. I sold them. <laughs> Doctor, I, I even sold my shoes. Your shoes? And, and when my little sugar bag had $35 in it, I bought a lump of gold. Oh. A piece of pure gold, Doctor. And when my father was sleeping restlessly on his couch... I melted that bit of gold in the crucible with which he'd been experimenting. Oh, I I'll never forget the joy on my father's face the next morning when he emptied his crucible and found a deposit of pure gold at the bottom. I'll never forget how he called to me, how he... Marion! Uh, what child has happened? I've done it, I've done it. I've succeeded. What is it, Father? What's happened? Marion, child, look, you shall see it for yourself. Look, look in the bottom of this crucible. Don't be afraid. What do you see there? It's yellow and shining. It looks like gold. It is gold, Marion. Gold of the highest purity. Ah, you didn't think I'd ever be able to do it, did you? You thought your old father was nothing but a crazy crackpot. I've always had faith in your father. Last night I knew I was on the right track. It's the combination of antimony and salamoniac. That's what does it. But the temperatures must be exactly right, and it takes time, time. Yes, father. You know what this means, child. No more scrimping, no more saving candle stubs. And bread crusts. We're rich, rich as a Medici's, richer if we like. There's color in your face again, Father. Why not? Pale cheeks go with failure, despondency. No more of that for us. William Blakelock is a name that will go down with honor in the archives of American science. William Blakelock, the man, the man who made gold. <laughs> thing is a fraud. Oh, Doctor, don't you understand why I did it? My father would have died of discouragement. But you deceived yes, him. Yes, I deceived him to save his life. Again and again, I slipped the little ingot, the little golden ingot, into my father's crucible while he was out of the laboratory. And each time, I, I begged him to give it to me. For safekeeping, I said. Then you would put the self-same ingot back into his crucible, and he would think that he'd succeeded again. <laughs> Oh, he was happy, poor man. He thought he was amassing a fortune. All this time I was supporting us with my needle and thread. And then, then came that terrible day when he asked me for our food. And I realized that... Time. You've been making these gold ingots every day for 15 months now. Yes, Father. Then we must have, uh, oh, $15,000 in gold stored away, child. And still, we live in this ugly old house and wear the same worn-out clothes. 
Now it's time we enjoyed some of our riches. Marion, bring me half a dozen of the ingots. I'm going to buy you some beautiful new clothes. No. Uh-huh, but you deserve some little luxuries, child. You've been so faithful to your old father in this time of poverty. Now you mustn't hesitate to share the wealth we found together. Bring me some of the ingots you've been storing away. I... I don't have any ingots. Oh? Oh, oh you've already converted them into currency. Ah, very wise, my child. Well, surely we can afford to spend a hundred dollars without any qualms of conscience. Yes. There is no money. No money? Oh, gold? What's become of it? What have you done with our fortune? It, it, it was... It, it was stolen. When? Oh, why didn't you tell me? Well, I... I've entrusted you with a fortune. A treasure in gold. Give me some account of it. I, I can't. I can't tell you why there isn't any gold. Have you stolen from me? Never. Stolen from your own father? Are you a liar, a cheat, a gambler? Is that how you've lost it? Well, don't say such things. Ah, don't lie to me. Where have you hidden all the ingots? I don't know. A thousand curses on your head. Don't curse me, please, Bonnie. I shall curse you every day of your life until you return the golden ingots you've stolen from me. Is this the truth? Yes, Dr. Lucar. I swear. Then I beg your forgiveness, Marion, for misjudging you. You've made a great sacrifice. I'll do anything, Doctor, to protect my father's happiness. You've already done too much. This deception must be stopped. We'll go to him tonight, this very minute. And we'll put an end to this hypocrisy. <laughs> Blakelock, you should not be out of bed. I cannot be accountable for your health unless you take care of yourself. I cannot allow a little physical pain to interrupt my great work. Father, do as the doctor says. Get out of my laboratory, you ungrateful child, you thief. <laughs> Don't plague me. Ah, you're just in time, doctor. In a few moments, the marriage of the Red King and the White Queen will be accomplished. Yes. Within the next minute, you will see me make pure, red, shining gold. Tell him, Mary. I... Tell him. Father, I... I want your forgiveness. Well, what? Are you going to give me back what you've stolen? I've been deceiving you for two years. I knew it. I knew it. You've concealed my $15,000 all this time. Now you're going to restore it, eh? Very well, Marion. I'll forgive you. What have you done with it? Mr. Blakelock, you never made any gold. Your daughter saved up $35 and bought a golden ingot, which she slipped into your crucible when you weren't looking. It, it was wrong, I know. But, Father, I meant well. I... Sir, are you all right? <laughs> well done. Well done, doctor. You think you can pack things up between myself and my daughter? Through this trumped-up story, you expect me to believe that she's duped me, that I never made gold? 
clumsy doctor, very clumsy. Try again. I assure you, Mr. Blakelock, your daughter is telling the truth. Doctor, you're a fool. That wretched girl has wheedled you. In less than a minute, I will turn you out a piece of gold, purer than any the earth produces. Will that convince you? Yes, that will convince me. Then watch. Watch the cruising. There. There's the scum. Now the green and bronze shades flit across it. Oh, the beautiful green. The precursor of the golden red hue that tells of the end of came. Ah, now the golden red is coming. Slowly. Slowly. Daughter, help me lift this off the fire. Yes, Father. The tongs, where are the tongs? Here. Now, incredulous daughter, I pour off my solution. And in the bottom of my crucible, you will find... You've done it! The gold is there! Of course! William Blakelock is no fraud, no dupe. I have succeeded where all others have failed. I have made gold. I...
They understand each job in the company as they know their own thoroughly. It is their responsibility to see that the public is served well, that employees have both security and opportunity for advancement, and that investors receive reasonable earnings on the funds entrusted by them to the Dayton Power and Light Company. That requires business management. The Dayton Power and Light Company is a tax-paying enterprise. Last year, it paid a total of $4,776,624.71 in local, state, and federal taxes. The Dayton Power and Light Company is a self-supporting company. It neither asks for nor expects any subsidy or from any government agency whatsoever. It cooperates fully with lawfully constituted regulatory commissions. It is a good citizen. The Dayton Power and Light Company is also a good neighbor. Whatever is good for the communities we serve is good for this company. Whatever hurts this company in time will hurt the community. Working together, we can make this part of Ohio a still better place in which to live. Now, here again is your host, Mr. Ronald Colvin. Next week, a study in loneliness. Henry James' famous novel, Washington Square. Perhaps you've seen the Broadway adaptation of this work under the title of The Heiress. We've gone back to the novel itself for a penetrating character study of a young lady who loved well, but not wisely. Vanessa Brown will play Catherine Sloper, the forlorn heroine who lived in the cold house in Washington Square. We hope you'll be listening. Tune in again next Tuesday, same time, same station, when the Dayton Power and Light Company brings you Susan Hayward's favorite story, Washington Square by Henry James. Enjoy another great dramatic treat this Sunday evening at 9 o'clock when the Electric Theater presents Herbert Marshall and the Admirable Crichton. Good night. Your Columbia Station, WHIO, Dayton. That's our Strange Tale for this week. Hope you liked it. You can find more from Favorite Story, Strange Tales, thousands of other old-time radio episodes, all at relicradio.com. Donate through the website if you would like to help support this and all of the shows. That's how the show keeps coming to you every week. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Talk to you again next Sunday with another episode of Relic Radio's Strange Tales.